It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Wolverine Confidential Podcast. I'm Ryan Zook. And I'm Aaron McMahon. On today's episode, fall camp is almost here for Michigan's football team, and we are breaking down each position and who likely will be on the field to start the Wolverines opener against Western Michigan. Aaron, good to be with you as always. And yeah, like I said, football is, uh, college football is right around the corner. We, it's August. Fall camp is about to begin. And more talking points for us here for football season. Yeah, I remember doing these with you guys like this time last year. And I don't think at that point, I think the Big Ten season had been called off. And we didn't know if football was actually going to happen. Everything was up in the air. A little bit different story this time. I mean, we've got a full 12-game schedule, all, all signs point to go. And yeah, Michigan kicks off camp uh, Friday, Friday, August 6th in Ann Arbor. The way it typically goes is they'll, they'll have the first few days without pads, just kind of in shorts and shirts or like walk through stuff. And then they'll progress to pads and then they'll, they'll get going. going to be a very interesting summer, especially when they, they really didn't get one last year. No, for sure. And, and a lot of change on the roster, on the coaching staff this year. And we're going to break down each position here on today's episode. And I mean, I think we should probably start with, with the quarterbacks. I'm, I think we should probably start with the quarterbacks. I mean, Cade McNamara finished last season as the starter, and Jim Harbaugh said he is the front runner heading into camp, which is no surprise. But I want to remind people that Alan Bowman has a wealth of experience, and then J.J. McCarthy is the true freshman five-star prospect who has a wealth of talent. And, yes, I, I get that Cade is the leader right now, but if he's the starter on day one, do you think it will be more of him – earning the position or the other guys faltering, or if someone else is a starter, how much do they have to kind of unseat Cade to get that starting position? Would Cade have to falter a big time in fall camp and then have a big camp? Where, where are you seeing this, this race shaping out? Those are good questions. And I, I think at this point in time, this is Cade McNamara's job to lose. Now, whether he, he does win it or lose it, I mean, he's got a month to show that, but I think at this point where things stand right now, with Michigan coming out of spring, you know, with a full spring, and they, when they went through the 15 practices, it's clear to the coaching staff, and when I say that, I mean I mean Coach Harbaugh and assistant coach Matt Weiss and the offensive corner Josh Gaz, they believe Kay McNamara is number one. They believe he was by far and away the best quarterback in the spring. Now, does that mean he's necessarily the best quarterback on the roster? I don't know. They haven't said a ton about J.J. McCarthy. We all know that he's capable. He's, he was a five-star kid coming out of high school. He's projected to be the next great Michigan quarterback. But, you know, it, it's complicated because if, you know, you have a returner in Kate, he started a little bit last year. He showed that that in-game moxie that, that you want from a quarterback. 
Um, but if, if it's really a close competition with him and, and, and JJ, I, I think you roll with the more experienced guy. You go with the proven guy who has shown that he can, he can win on the field. He can lead the offense. And in a way he, he won the job. He earned the job last year. And I think that would be unfair to Cade, at least at, at this point. Now that doesn't mean things can't change. Maybe Cade has a poor camp. Maybe he gets hurt. Maybe Michigan gets off to a slow start this year. And then you, you decide to go the other direction. But at this point, it, it, it is clear to everyone we've spoken to that Kate is number one guy. But you're right, Alan Bowman, and we've said this in, in the previous weeks. Alan Bowman is a wild card in this position, in this spot, because a he's the most experienced quarterback on the team at this point. But he also didn't go through spring practice, so we don't really know where he stands with regards to the offense and knowing the playbook, and you know having that camaraderie with his teammates. Because sometimes that takes some time. I mean, you saw it with Shea Patterson; it took him a little bit time, a little bit of time to get going when he first got here. Now, granted, he had a whole spring to get through, and that that certainly helped. But you know, Bowman's—he's a, a wild card. He could come in and start day one and be the guy. Or, you know, it may take him some, some time to get going. But here's here's the reality of the situation. Michigan has depth there. Whether if, Assuming they go with McNamara week one, you've got a proven guy who, who has shown that he can play in the big stage and has starting experience as a backup. That wasn't the case last year. You had basically two guys you threw into the fire in, in Joe Milton and Cade McNamara who had never started games, who had barely played, and you saw what happened with the offense. So I think where Michigan sits right now offensively from the quarterback position they're a much better situation than they were a year ago. What I wonder is if last year, if it was a traditional season when they had a few tune-up games in non-conference, if they would have played maybe Joe Milne and Cade in a blowout, but they didn't really have that luxury last season because they started off with Big Ten play. But this year, they have two games against MAC teams in their first three games against Western Michigan and Northern Illinois. I wonder if they get up big or, or have a comfortable lead or if maybe one guy struggles and or they, or they have a plan in place to play multiple guys at the quarterback position to get some experience, maybe break Bowman in a little bit in case he is needed more later on in the season when, when they start Big Ten play. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if they do that with McCarthy. I mean, look, look if you go back a couple of years ago, you know, Shea Patterson's final year in some of those blowout games, you know, win or loss for Michigan. They they threw in Joe Milton. They threw in Dylan McCaffrey late in games just to get them some reps and things. And with the new rule, not new, but I guess it's been in place now for a couple of years, but, you know, you can play four games and still still redshirt or, or still, you know, not lose a year of eligibility. So if McCarthy, that would be beneficial. So it wouldn't surprise me if they do that with McCarthy. Bowman's unique because, you know, he's a grad transfer. His, his eligible, he's got two years eligibility left. Um, but so you don't really want to necessarily want to burn that year of eligibility unless you necessarily have to. So it's going to be it's going to be a weird situation. I don't know where Bowman falls in the depth chart where he's going to end up. But the, the fact remains that he's the most experienced guy here. Now, whether that translates to the Big Ten and Michigan's team and, and the schedule they have in front of them, I don't know. And that time is only going to tell there. But long story short, Michigan's in a lot. As I said earlier, Michigan's in a lot better situation from the quarterback perspective than they were 12 months ago, not only from an experience standpoint. But just having the preseason and having these guys, you know, the ability for these quarterbacks to gel, at least from McNamara's perspective, and even McCarthy to gel with their, their offensive line and their running backs and their receivers. So I think it it puts Michigan, you know, ahead of the eight ball from where they were a year ago. And when the offense is so dependent on a, a reliable quarterback, that goes a long way. Bottom line, if Michigan is going to have a successful season, 
they're going to need one of those guys to step up and have a good year for Michigan to to compete and, and improve from from last year. So a lot of good discussion there on the quarterbacks. Let's move on to the running backs. Gone are Zach Charbonnet and Chris Evans. Back are Hassan Haskins and Blake Corum. Entered true freshman Donovan Edwards and Tavier Dunlop. And it looks like maybe still probably somewhat of a rotation this year. Um, but it looks like Haskins might be the 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 work or did most of the workload at least early on. It's an interesting question. Uh, you know, we spoke to uh, Jim Harbaugh at Big Ten Media Days a couple weeks back. Now he called this, you know, Haskins and, and Quorum situation one and one. And I can remember hearing that similar phrase a couple years ago from Jay Harbaugh, one A and one B with with their running backs. So at this point, I think Michigan is planning to split the carries between Hassan and Blake. You know, and they're very. And when you look at the two, you know, the two players, they're two very kind of different players. Hassan's more lengthy, lanky, but he's he's proven that he can get yards after contact, and I think that's what Michigan really likes out of him. And I think he's one of the reasons why he's their number one back at this point. He's the workhorse. Corum's a little different. He's short, stocky, but he's powerful and, and speedy. He's got you know the shiftiness about him that I think makes him elusive and makes him dangerous, especially in you know down the field. So I, I think you're going to see both of those guys used pretty regularly, probably in different situations. I maybe Hassan more on first or second down, maybe in third, in third and short situations, third and goal situations. But don't be surprised if you see Corum quite a bit too. I mean, they like what they saw out of him as a as a true freshman last year. He did you know a lot of different things, caught the ball in the backfield, took carries, did jet sweeps, you know all that stuff. I think you're going to see more of that. I think more traditional running from him. I think they feel more comfortable with him now. You know, he is a Josh Gaddis guy. Josh helped recruit him here. So it's time, I think, they think for him to, you know, step up and, and, and take responsibility and take more carries. Donovan Edwards is a guy, you know, we talked a lot about, four-star guy from West Bloomfield, playing for Ron Bellamy. Jim Harbaugh has said they're going to use him. To what degree, you know, remains to be seen. I wouldn't be surprised if you see him, again, in more of a quorum role like last year where he's catching balls on the backfield, getting occasional carries to kind of get his feet wet. But how much they utilize him remains to be seen. Wouldn't surprise me if Tavier ends up getting redshirted just because of the depth here. Last year under Jay Harbaugh, Michigan made a, a conscious effort of spurring the football around among the running backs. They wanted as many guys touching it as possible, which kind of goes in that philosophy of Josh Gannis's offense. But the problem is it's hard for those guys to get a rhythm. I mean, they can't get in rhythm if you're not getting carries all the time, if you don't know when you're getting carries. And I think Michigan realized that. They have a new running backs coach here, Mike Hart. You know, when he, when he was at Indiana, they pretty much gave one guy and one guy only the ball, and he knew when he was getting it that you did, either did the job or you didn't. So I think here at Michigan, you'll probably see two of them primarily. I think that's a heck of a lot better than what you saw last year. It was just last year almost seemed like they were out of sync, uncomfortable, and just didn't lack like continuity. And I, I think, and I think the coaches realized that 100% too. And I, I know in, in Blake Porham's case, I, I followed him pretty closely in, in his recruitment talked to a lot of people around him in his recruitment. And one thing for certain, this guy is an absolute gym rat, always working on, on his game and trying to get bigger and stronger. And I think, yeah, I mean, he showed flashes as a freshman, but there was one guy, maybe even on the completely on the offensive side of the ball that is could be in, in line for a, a big step forward in 2021. I think it's Blake Corum. I think, I mean, he was a highly regarded prospect even coming out of, out of high school too. As a sophomore, now that he's added, a, it looks like a few pounds, as more experience, I think he could be a, a real difference maker for, for Michigan this year. I agree. You know, he's he's a prototypical, I think, 
Michigan guy. He's the, like you said, Jim Rat. He's the type of guy that Jim Harbaugh wants on the team. And then I think he he fits the type of offense that Josh Gaddis is trying to run. So I think it's it's a win-win for both sides. Now they just got to get him to have kind of that breakout year, get him more carries, get him comfortable. And I, and I think you'll see, you know, you, you could see results follow. Another position group that was looking a little bit different than last year. I mean, Xavier Worthy, a receiver, didn't end up coming to Michigan. They lost Giles Jackson, but still return a, a decent amount of production from the receiver room, led by Ronnie Bell. Uh, also have Cornelius Johnson, Mike Sandra still in there, and a couple of guys that saw some playing time as true freshmen last year in Roman Wilson and A.J. Henning. It'll be interesting to see if if those younger guys can take another step forward or the the Ronnie Bells and the Cornelius Johnson and the Mike Sanderstills are going to kind of have a stranglehold on, on the starting spots all year. Yeah, I count eight scholarship guys, which I think is probably a little bit too low for probably Josh Gass. I'm sure he'd like to see a few more of, the, of scholarship guys. And of those eight, two are true freshmen. So Michigan's basically working with, you know, six guys with some experience and one of those guys with experience is a grad transfer in Dalen Baldwin, the transfer right. from, from Jackson state who just hasn't played at the big 10 level. So you don't know what you're necessarily going to get out of him at least early on, but on paper, you know, on the surface, I think Michigan's fine at receiver. They have the type of guys they want. They have the experienced guy, Ronnie Bell, who's, who's been that bell cow receiver before he's a top pass catcher last year. He's kind of grown into that leadership role. So you have the leader there, but you had after that, you got a bunch of guys who I would put them in the bucket of like waiting to break out. Like we're waiting for them to do something. And, and there's potential there. I mean, Cornelius Johnson, we've seen it before. I think, you know, his stature and his speed in a way, you know, his athleticism reminds me a little bit of Donovan Peoples-Jones. Um, but the knock against Donovan Peoples-Jones is he just didn't do enough. Um, now, whether that was his own doing or that was Michigan's offense by design, but I think they need to get more of these guys involved. Mike Samer still is a guy who, you know, has shown flashes at times. He's been in the offense now a couple of years. Um, he should be comfortable. Roman Wilson played sparingly last year. Didn't seem a ton, but again, he's a guy they're going to have to rely on A.J. Henning as another guy. So they've got a really mishmash, mix mash, whatever the term is, of guys here who ranged in you know different levels of the spectrum when it comes to experience. and, t- and, and But talent-wise, talent I mean, they're all three, four borderline five-star guys. So the talent's there. They've just got to, they've got to elevate it. Now, part of that is the quarterback. You know, last year, you had Joe Milton throwing the ball. Sometimes it wasn't the most accurate. Sometimes <laughs> too much flair on the ball. So it does it does make a difference if you're a receiver. I mean, you want you want to be comfortable with your quarterback. You want to know where the ball is going to be, and you want to know what's going to be there. That was an issue. Yeah, I, I don't know if Usain Bolt could have tracked down some of the the deep balls that Milton threw last year. No, no, and I, I think that's where a better improved quarterback play can make a, a huge difference with the with the receiver room. I mean, a good quarterback makes a receivers look makes receivers look better, and great receivers make an average quarterback look look exceptional. The last couple of years, Michigan just hasn't gotten that elite quarterback play that they they needed. I mean, we talked about Milton a couple of years ago, Shea Patterson. You know, he was okay, but his accuracy wasn't the greatest either at, at times, and that was with you know exceptional some exceptional receivers. So. You're going to need a good quarterback play. They can complement, you know, decent receiver play. These guys just got to grow up, really. I mean, several of these guys just got to get, they got to be thrown in there, thrown in the fire, take a couple hits, make a couple mistakes, and get up and, and, and go and make that big play. And I think once you start seeing that, I think this receiver room could be very good. I mean, I feel like we talk about that all the time. It's, it's almost like year after year at this receiver's room, the ceiling is high, but you don't always see the production. And, and at some point, it's got to, it's got to come to fruition, I think. 
One guy that has produced kind of, kind of quietly almost in, in terms of the Big Ten is Ronnie Bell. I mean, he had another solid year last year. That's two really consistent years in a row. Didn't come to Michigan as a highly regarded prospect, but has been very solid when, when he's been on the field. What do you think the ceiling is for him this year? I mean, can he continue to take a, another step forward and, and become an elite receiver in the Big Ten or just continue to be a, a really solid option for, for Michigan and, and a really good receiver? Well, he's the number one option at this point. I, I think if you're if you need a, a catch in in a big play and a reliable set of hands, Ronnie Ball is your guy. Now that's kind of different from just a couple of years ago. I remember him, you know, dropping the ball at Penn State in 2019. He took a lot of flack for it in the end zone. He dropped a couple other balls. He wasn't necessarily reliable, and I think he made he made a conscious effort to improve his improve his hands last year and his pass catching ability. You know, he could be a he could be a good receiver. Now remember, if you go back, if we go back to his time in high school, he was. He was a, a lightly recruited football guy. He was a basketball guy. He accepted a scholarship offer to play to play college basketball at a mid-major. Um, then Harbaugh came along, kind of found him. He was that, that diamond-in-the-rough type of guy. He was a low three-star. In fact, I think when he committed to Michigan, I don't even know if he had like a, a recruiting page. So he's one of those guys who you know you develop, you lean on his athleticism, and you think, okay, he could be something, and he has. Now, whether he could be a top-of-the-line Big Ten receiver, you know, I, I don't know about that. But he's certainly Michigan's top guy at this point. He could be, you know, third team's honorable mention, Big Ten guy. But I think for Michigan's wide receivers room to become elite, you need more of those guys. You don't necessarily need a first team all Big Ten guy. But if you can get a two or three, four reliable guys who are producing and catching balls and and making plays, you know, after catches, that's all you need. I mean, because look, you look at other teams. You know, look at Minnesota, for instance. You have one star receiver who's kind of doubled all the time. You know, and then you got, you got to lean on other guys. You don't necessarily need to have one that, that great superstar receiver. You just need a, a couple of guys who can be reliable. And if so, the offense can go, you're fine. And as long as you get a quarterback to, to make the throw and get it, get the ball to the receiver, you're going to be just fine. Now, as for tight end, it's kind of rare for Michigan to be this thin at, at the position, given some of the steady players they have had at that position in, in recent years. I mean, Yes, Eric All is back, and I'm sure we're going to hear him hyped up again this offseason. It seems like every year the coaching staff raves about his his ability and, and his talent level. It just doesn't always translate onto the field in games. I know he had uh, some really bad drops last year, and you're always kind of wanting more out, out of him. And But behind him, there's a lot of inexperience. There's Luke Schumacher and sophomore Matthew Hibner, who I don't think saw the field at all last year. And then true freshman Lewis Hansen, pretty highly touted prospect from, from Massachusetts, a four-star guy. Um, but again, he's just a true freshman. So I, I assume it will probably be a lot of Eric All at tight end, but not sure how the other guys will be, how much they'll be worked into here. You know, I, I can remember you talking about that. It kind of reminds me of Sharon Moore when he first got hired at Michigan. I think it was 18 or 19, him coming in as tight ends coach. And looking around, and and he had like six, seven scholarship tight ends. He even joked, <laughs> he's like, I didn't have that many at Central Michigan who liked utilizing the tight end a ton. So, you know, I think it's become obvious that Michigan is starting to de-emphasize the tight end in their in their in their offense. You know, it was a staple of Jim Harbaugh's offenses back in Stanford and early in his time in Michigan. But in a way, they've gone away from it. I think they're still going to utilize it some this year. Eric All is going to be the guy. I mean, he was he was the guy last year. They love his physique. They love his ability. 
they love everything about him. The problem is, like you said, he just he dropped a ton of balls last year, and you can't have that, especially in pass catching situations. So I, I think they'll continue to utilize the tight end. It's not going to be probably what what it was a couple of years ago. You're really going to see the two tight end sets. You'll see Eric Hall in there probably quite a bit, Schoonmaker in there at times for blocking purposes. But you know the times of the Jake Bud who's catching you know you know 25, 30 balls a year. It's just I don't think it's going to happen. Uh, especially you're not catching passes. So, uh, you know, it is it is what it is. I mean, they still need the position. I think they still want to use it. Just at his core, Jim Harbaugh lost the tight end. He wants it utilized. But, you know, when, when, you, when you go a different direction with the offense, you're going to, you know, you're going to go away from certain positions. And I think that's the case here at tight end. Jay Harbaugh is now going to be the coach here. He was a couple of years back before he coached running backs. It's a familiar position for him. Perhaps maybe a new set of eyes and, and a new teacher maybe will help Eric all. But it's, it's hard when you, when you go through those, cycles where you're dropping passes it becomes a mental thing and then in the future every time the ball is thrown your way you start thinking about it so you wonder how Eric Hall is going to bounce back I think for the coaching staff you hope he does but if he doesn't I mean you got other you got other options there's like you said Schoonmaker Hibner they haven't really used much but there are bodies there it's deep but from a utilization standpoint I would not expect it to be what it was a couple of years ago all, all these guys quarterback receiver running backs there they're gonna need some some time to be effective and it's on cue to move on to the offensive line. And I know it's a group that yeah, you've been high on all off season and you think it's a group that could be much improved from 2020. Yeah. I, I think they could be a very good. I mean, they're deep. They've got guys to every position. Ed Warner is no longer here. He was not retained obviously back in January, but you can't argue with the job he did. I mean, he, he built the position up. He developed guys. He kind of slotted guys in certain position and he recruited to the unit. I mean, he has depth there. I counted, I think 16 scholarship players on the roster, give or take one or two. I might've missed one or maybe one guy's a walk on, but like there are guys there. I mean, that's, that's three deep at, at, at every spot. And that's really what you want to develop a, you know, cohesive and a respectable offensive line. You know, it's been no secret that Ryan Hayes is a shoe and a start left tackle. Andrew Stuber and Zach Sinter are also both shoe-ins to start on the right side of the offensive line, but we don't really know at this point where. Stuber, as we all know, is traditionally a tackle. He played tackle before, but he lined up at right guard last year. Zach Sinter, I think, here is the mystery, the wild card, because he's been slotted in there as a starter. Well, he play, he started four games at right guard last year, but apparently he's in the mix at center. So if he starts at center, that may move Andrew Stuber over to guard, and Michigan's have to figure out the situation at right tackle. Jim Harbaugh last week at Big Ten Media Days mentioned Trent Jones as a possibility, Trevor Keegan, you know, and, and not mention not only Keegan, but he's in he's in the mix at left guard. It's him and Chuck Filiaga. You know, Filiaga apparently had a really good summer. He was a starter there. So you wonder like what, what the feeling is there because if, if Filiaga is a fifth-year senior, uh, he started there before, yet you've got another guy, younger guy in there pushing him for the starting job. So either way, the situation I think is very good at the offensive line. They've got five, six bonafide starters. It's just a matter of kind of figuring out where they want to play them. Now, as I mentioned in the lead-up, this is a little bit different than how Ed Warner did it. You know, he was very much about, you know, analyzing guys, slotting them at certain positions and he acknowledged look we can we can move guys later on but he would make sure to put them in certain positions and let them go and let them develop from there this is a little different i mean you got jim harbaugh has basically said they're going to roll with their five best offensive linemen and slot them afterward so it, it, you know there is versatility there they feel like they got some versatile versatile guys this is what they did when jim harbaugh first came to michigan the offense they would very much find the first the five best offensive linemen and roll with them that sounds like what they're going to do this fall 
but yeah, I'm, I'm big on the offensive line. I think it's going to be very good. They're experienced. A lot of guys back, a lot of guys with starting and playing experience. And at the Big Ten level, that's really what you want. You want size, you want ability, and you want experience. I think they've got all three. And I think, you know, barring some like tragic injury or some you know, run on injuries, I, I think they're going to be a pretty stable group, which bodes well for a quarterback, young quarterback, and a running back room that you know has pretty pretty high potential. I know it's tough to do this even before camp starts, but based off of, of comments from from media days and, and the coaches and what we know from last year, who would you predict the starting five to be heading into the the season? Yeah, okay. Ryan Hayes left tackle. I'm going to go with Philly Agat left guard just because he's a more experienced guy. I'm sticking with Andrew Vistardis at center. He's he's a fifth year senior. He's a smart guy. He's you know he's done played that way before for you. It seems like he's like an eighth year senior. I know right he's now. been in the program forever. He's like that guy that won't go away. Um, but you want in a way you want that. I mean, especially for smart dudes, you have the ability. I mean, you can always utilize that. And I think it would be, in my opinion, to be a waste of Michigan to to get rid of him or at least not play him. So then I would go after that. I would go. Zinter right guard. I mean, they love his, they clearly love his ceiling. He's young, but he, he that's where he played last year. He start, he played all six games. He started four games of right guard. Play him there where he's comfortable and then play Stuber at right tackle where, where he's most comfortable. And we've asked this before. And we've asked, we asked Stuber a couple of weeks ago, uh, an event in Detroit, where would you rather play? He said he preferred right tackle just because he's more comfortable there, but he's prepared to play guard or tackle wherever he wants. So if I'm a coach, I throw a guy where he's most comfortable playing. So that would, I would put him at tackle. Now, before we move on to the defensive side of the ball, I'm excited to talk to you at our virtual Michigan college football season kickoff event presented by University of Michigan Flint on Thursday, August 26th. Andrew Kahn, Aaron McMahon, and I will give you insider insights on the upcoming season, and you can show off your Wolverine knowledge with team trivia to win prizes and maybe even a football signed by Lloyd Carr. Join us for this free event on Thursday, August 26th, and get your tickets and more information at MLive.com slash Wolverines. Yeah, that's that's a great event. We're going to keep probably promoting it every week here on the podcast. So you regular listeners will hear about it. As Ryan said, it's a free event. Uh, it costs nothing to go to. Just go to MLive.com slash Wolverines and there'll be banner ads on the side of the page. You just click it. It'll take you to the web page for the event. You can sign up for for your you know tickets or whatever there. Um, the reason we're doing it that way is because I think there's a cap on the number of people that can get into this thing. So you know, not everyone that signs up can necessarily get in. So I'd encourage everyone who wants to do it to, to go sign up earlier the better. I think you mentioned it, Ryan, but Jake Rudock and Jehu Cheston are going to be there. Uh, so they're going to join us. Yeah, I don't think I did in, include that in there. So yeah, that's another nice little catch that, that uh, will be included. Yeah, yeah. And all three of us will be talking football. We'll take questions. We'll discuss the season. By the time the event happens, it'll be a couple of days before the season opener. So we can kind of dive into more, you know, what to look for in the season and Western Michigan and everything else. But we'll take questions. We'll do some trivia. Rudock and Chesson will be there, I, I think, in some capacity. I think they'll take questions too. So it's be a fun event. And I say that's free. It's in the evening. So hopefully most of you will be done with work at that point. And it's it's virtual. So you don't have to you don't have to drive anywhere or go anywhere. You just open up your laptop or, or fire up your cell phone and you can join us. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Should be a fun night and it'll give us a chance to kind of talk with you guys in a little bit of a personal setting too. So it should be should be fun. Heading on over to defense. Let's start off with the front seven because I mean it should be interesting because a lot will depend on personnel and different packages. I mean, they mostly line up in a four-three. Just how often will Michigan have two defensive tackles on the field at the same time? Will we see mostly Christopher Hinton at the nose? 
How much will Donovan Jeter get in there? I mean, is this the year Mozzie Smith breaks three through? I mean, there's just a lot of questions at the linebacker and defensive line uh, positions and how things will kind of shake out there. Yeah, you nailed it. There's a, there's a lot to unpack here. I mean, here's what we know. We've got starters coming back. Aiden Hutchinson, Chris Hinton, Donovan Jeter has started at times. Taylor Upshaw started a ton last year. And, you know, the coaches have said that they're going to utilize Hutchinson and Upshaw quite a bit. Uh, it sounds like more outside linebacker roles, hand off the ground. How much that's going to happen remains to be seen. You know, they haven't really said if they're going to primarily be with the four-man four front. They haven't said if it's going to be primarily a three-man front. I suspect we're going to see a lot of both at different times and in different situations. So I think when that happens, it's going to require different personnel, obviously. If they go with the four-man front, you're going to see Hutchinson and, and Upshaw with their hands on the ground. You're going to see Hinton in the middle and then probably a Jeter and or Mozzie Smith in there. And, and then if they go, when they go off hands off the ground, you're going to think the bigger the bigger front. You're going to see a Hinton, Jeter, uh, Smith lineup. Um, and then you got some other guys in there too. I mean, Jordan Whitley, a grad transfer from Oregon State, is interesting. You know, he was brought in to help bolster that kind of three four lineup. You know, we asked Jim Harbaugh about it. Big Time Media Days. They liked his size. Jim Harbaugh said, "Thanks a lot of size." Yeah, Jim Harbaugh said he's a big boy. I think those were his exact words. They they were clearly looking for a particular type of guy to help bolster things. And he's certainly it. Now, whether he, you know, he gets starts, probably not. He's probably gonna be more of a backup type guy. Um, but that just goes to show you that they're going to be playing, you know, either a three, four or a three, three, five, a lot more than they were in the past. But again, it's, it's going to depend on opponents can depend on situations. It's going to depend on a lot of, you know, personnel reasons. So it's going to be interesting to watch. You know, I counted, I think 13 or 14 scholarship guides on the defensive line. So maybe the depth isn't necessarily where they want it to be. But I will say, you know, in the last year or two, we've been crowing a lot about the lack of depth, you know, in the middle, defensive tackle, especially last year and the year before. It's gotten a little bit better. I mean, I, I think they're ready to, to play Mozzie Smith more. They're clearly more comfortable with him. Donovan Jeter's been, he's another one of those guys that's been around the program a while. He knows how to play. He started a bunch. And the Hinton's been very, like, consistent. He's the guy who I think they have no problem throwing in there and starting and playing. And you, and you know what you're going to get out of him. He's, he's just a smart player. So I think they're in better shape. Than the years past, the defensive line, especially in the middle, where an area where we've we've criticized a lot in years past, they just can't get injured. <laughs> That's I think the issue here. If, if one or two of these guys go down, like last year, where you saw a ton of injuries, they're probably going to be in trouble. And you got some guys behind there that haven't played a ton, young, inexperienced, and I, I don't think you want to be throwing them into the fire, especially in a new new defense and in the Big Ten schedule that they have. So on, on paper they look fine. I think they could be very good. You just you got to keep them. You got to keep them healthy. You got to keep them in there. Certainly. So from a ones perspective, first team perspective, I think they're okay. I mean, but talk about a position that where you cannot afford to have many injuries or anything go wrong. It's it's an inside linebacker. I mean, yeah, you have Josh Ross and Michael Barrett as starters, and then a whole bunch of inexperienced inexperience behind them. Yeah, you nailed it. If there's one position group that is lacking depth right now, it's the linebackers. Seven or eight scholarship guys. Uh, a lot of guys transferred out this offseason, especially those, those prototypical guys that fit Don Brown's scheme. So they're not working with a ton here. And and I think that's one of the reasons why Michigan you know, has said that they're going to use Hutchinson and Upshaw more in outside linebacker roles. Because look, you know, what's the old saying? Hi, you know, hide your negatives, accentuate your positives. 
Well, Michigan's negatives right now is they don't, they just don't have a ton of players, a linebacker. They don't have a ton of guys there. So you got to do things to try and hide that. And that's why you're, I think you're going to see Hutchinson and Upshaw play back more because they're going to be more linebacker roles to kind of fill, fill those spots. Look, Josh Ross is there. He's going to start inside linebacker. Michael Barrett is there. He's going to start probably at inside linebacker. But remember when Barrett was brought in, he wasn't brought in to play that position. He was that Viper, <laughs> that hybrid linebacker safety. Who, that light guy who can kind of get all over the field and make a play in the passing game. How is he going to do against the runs to stop the run? How is he going to do in the box? We're going to see, but he has experience. So they, they like what they see there. Um, so those two are shoe ins. But after that, I mean, I, I don't know. David Ajabo's name has come up. He'll probably get some run at some point, but that's another position group that can't afford injuries because if they do, you're going to see a lot of issues there. Just like we saw last year. So, you know, I think Michigan's going to have to lean on their defensive line and some hybrid guys there that can kind of drop back and play that type of hybrid edge rusher, linebacker, outside linebacker role, because quite frankly, they don't have the depth there. And that's where I think they need the next year or two. They really need to bolster and develop some of those guys there. Yeah, I mean, there, there's a guy, a true freshman, Junior Colson, that that is a really intriguing prospect. But I mean, it's going to be he might find himself pretty high up on the depth chart right away just because of lack of bodies there. And I wouldn't be surprised to see him kind of get some playing time early just based off of necessity at, at the position. And then there's also Nakai Hill Green, another guy that was talked about a lot in the preseason last year, uh, who was probably inclined to, to see some playing time this year. But again, two guys that are very green and raw from a college football perspective. If you're Michigan, if you're Michigan assistant coach and you're on the recruiting trail, and you're recruiting linebackers, your number one like message to them is, hey, if you come here, you can play within year, year one or year two. And we're not just like saying that to like blow smoke up your ass. Like you're <laughs> going to play because we don't have guys there. I mean, Ross has done it for this year. Barrett's got a couple years left. But after that, I mean, it's really anyone's game. It's anyone's spot. I mean, you're right. Junior Colson's going to have a huge opportunity. Some of those other guys who haven't played a ton are going to get thrown in there just by default. And it's kind of like trial by error. They're going to find out who's ready and who's not. So it's it's an interesting position to watch. You know, I know Ross is excited. I, we talked to him at Big Ten Media Days a few weeks back, and you know, he he's he said he was excited to play more downhill and more kind of blitzing the quarterback. It's a role that he necessarily didn't play a ton in years past, and he's healthy again. I mean, he's been battling injuries a lot lately. You know, he was fine last year, but he's excited to kind of put together a, a full season that he hasn't been able to do in a while. So. You got a got lots a couple guys there that are hungry, and you got a lot of guys there who just haven't played a ton or kind of like staring at space. So we'll we'll see what, <laughs> what ends up going on here. You, you did mention something kind of interesting there, though, too, and that, that was recruiting. And I, even already in this 2022 class, Michigan is going after guys in the front seven that have a lot of versatility that can uh, either line up with their their hand in the dirt or come off the edge that can play inside, that can play outside linebacker. So I mean. They, that is definitely a, a trait they're looking for in the, on the recruiting trail again. But for this season, it's not really going to help. Um, but in, in the future, it definitely looks like they're switching philosophies and what they're going after in uh, at the front seven positions. It is, it's weird when you think about it, too, when Don Brown was here. It's almost like with the linebackers, they almost had like specific roles set out you had the middle linebacker you had the viper you had the outside linebacker slash edge rusher and they recruited to that and there was really no wavering with don brown and then it was kind of the opposite with the defensive line where they wanted versatile guys guys that who could get off the edge who could try and stop the run although they knew a very good job of it and it's almost like roles have flipped you know defensive line they seem to be they're going to recruit more to specific positions 
and then the linebacker looking for more versatility. So it, it's kind of interesting to watch and, and see how that changes. The nail on the head there. So let's uh, almost done here. Just need to head on over to cornerbacks. And I know you, you wrote about this yesterday and it, it looks like there's a, a player that's pushing to uh, kind of unseat uh, an incumbent starter from last season. Yeah. And I don't know if this is because Vince, Vincent Gray is not playing well or the other guy is playing well, but DJ Turner is apparently challenging Vincent Gray for a starting cornerback spot. Uh, that's different from years past because I remember last year that Vincent Gray was the one bona fide starter cornerback. And then you had the other spot that was kind of always up for, up in the air. That bona fide cornerback spot now is Jamon Green. It sounds like he's a, he's a, you know, a bona fide starter. They're happy with his player, somewhat happy, at least satisfied with what he did last year. We've talked about him before. I, I thought he showed signs and growth as, as the year went on last year. And I think he could be very good. He just needs just more experience, more fine tuning. Vincent Gray and DJ Turner, apparently they're going to be battling here in camp for the other starting job. You know, I don't know what to make of this. You know, I, I don't really know which way this went. I don't know if DJ Turner's just kind of showed, like, turned it on or what. Jim Harbaugh didn't say a ton about it. He just said they're competing. But other than that, it's very similar to linebackers. There is more depth here. There's a lot more guys here. But a lot of guys, you just haven't played a ton. So you don't really know who else is kind of in the running there. You know, you got Andre Selden. He maybe could, could he play nickel? You know, I guess I don't, I don't know. But it's it's an interesting group. They, again, can't afford injury. If they can get guys developed and comfortable, I think they could be better than they were last year. I think by default, they should be better. How much? <laughs> I, I don't know. That's the thing. I think teams are going to obviously going to target them early in the year just because of what they saw on tape last year. I think we're going to find out pretty early when this, 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 these quarterbacks are going to be up to the task. Now, the safeties, I think, are a different story. I, I think Dax Hill and Brad Hawkins could be you know one of the better safety tandems in, in the Big Ten. I mean, Dax Hill's one of the better safeties in the, in the conference, in my opinion. He's one of their better, and Jim Harbaugh will tell you that. He thinks he's one of the best players on defense. So I think, again, this goes back to Michigan kind of accentuating the posit- their positives in their secondary. And I think they're, you're going to see more free usage out of a Hill and a Hawkins. I wouldn't be surprised if they throw a third defensive back in there to, you know, maybe at times go with a 4 2 5 or a 3 3 5 and kind of like, Try and change change things up in the, in the passing defense. Again, they got some things to figure out at corner. You know, they have a new coach there in Steve Klinkscale. So you think the development will be there? That's not to say that development hasn't been there in years past. I thought Mike Zorich did a pretty good job with that regard. But they've they've not only got to develop the position, but they got to start recruiting better too. And I think that's where Michigan's fallen off the last couple of years, especially when it comes to recruiting. It's just the talent level has dropped off a corner. There's some guys there, as I said, in 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 waiting. Now it's about developing them and then getting better players and I think to, to fill the roles. No, yeah. I mean, if you remember Michigan, the secondary was probably the strength of their 2020 class. I mean, they brought in a bunch of four-star prospects. I mean, Andre Selden, Darian Green Warren, RJ Moten, Matari Page, Jordan Moran, all four-star prospects in that 2020 class. They're entering their third years now, uh, or second years now. And it's time to see if uh, you know, time to give them see if they can make that next step forward in their careers and, and make an impact. I mean, I can't really expect them to be all big 10 players is in their second seasons in, at the college level, but being four-star guys, you would think that they would be able to contribute in subway and in, in their second season. So we'll see if they can take a step forward here. Michigan will need them too, if they're going to have a, a strong defense this year, because yeah, last year was uh, pretty much a train wreck. <laughs> throughout the year in, in that secondary. And I think last year, too, there was some hesitancy 
with the coaches of putting some of those younger guys in and just kind of letting them go. I mean, because it almost seemed like they, they they rode Vincent Gray and they rode Jamon Green at corner. You know, yes, they did change it up late in blowouts and things, but it, it they were clearly trying to get those guys over the hump, so to speak. I, I think Green got there. I don't know if Gray did. And and that's, I think, one of the reasons why you've seen him in this court, this cornerback competition with DJ Turner. Um, Turner, he's another one of those guys. He hasn't played a ton. If you go look at his stats, I think he's playing a handful, like three or four games his college career. He'll be a redshirt sophomore this year. And most of those games were in, in special teams. I think he's played one game at corner. So they need several guys here to kind of, you know, they need it to click. They need to, you know, know what they're doing. They need to get over that hump, so to speak. Um, and I think that's going to be key for this year. You know, look, I, I don't think any of us are expecting Michigan to compete for a Big Ten championship. It's just not realistic at this point. But if they can they get seven or eight wins and they can bring along this cornerback room and develop these guys and end the year with a positive outlook on, with their cornerbacks and say, hey, like, okay, we see it with these guys. They're going to be very good with another offseason. I think you can declare it a success because, look, the defensive line, there's guys there, linebackers we talked about, depth, there's issues with depth. The cornerback, there's no issues with depth. It's development. They got to get these guys going. And I think this is the year that perfect year to do it. Yeah, I think that that just about covers it. And yeah, we'll we'll continue to update these. We forgot about the kickers. Hang on. Oh, <laughs> we got to give some love to kickers. All right, we'll we'll give some love to special teams. <laughs> yeah, we. I mean, we don't really know who's going to be uh, obviously returning punts or kickoffs or anything like that. I mean, I can, you can make educated guesses, I guess. But kicking from a kicking perspective, I mean, Jake Moody's back. Uh, I think I think Michigan's liked what they saw out of him the last couple of years. I don't think he has the strongest leg out there, but he's been consistent and he can nail kicks when needed. He's done things in in high pressure situations, so I think they like what they got here. And then Brad Robbins, uh, you know, he's been, he's one of those guys. I feel like he's been around for a while. He's back. He'll be their starting punter. Um, he's shown some good things. He's had you know injuries in the past. It sounds like he's healthy, but Michigan's kicking him. I think should be above average this year. Now whether it'll be great or not, I don't know. But if if they can hit extra points reliably and, you know, you know, convert, you know, extra or field goals that, you know, a 75, 8% clip, uh, it could help them keep staying games, you know, and I think that's all you ask for on the kicking game, just be reliable and be consistent because look, the offense has got to get you, uh, got to get you in the, you know, the opposite field. They got to get you in field goal range to even get to that point. But um, you also got the guys that have to finish the job too. And I, I do think they have those, those guys here in Moody and, and obviously Robbins punting. All right. Well, what's the battle like for for long snapper then? <laughs> That's a good question. I have to look and see who's there. Um, I don't know. They've had a couple guys leave. We'll figure out as uh, as uh, camp goes on. Jay Harbaugh's got his got his uh, work cut out for him there, huh? Yeah, we'll we'll save it for the next pod. We'll save it for the next pod. That's right. As always, we appreciate you tuning in, and we'll be back with you again here pretty shortly. Yeah, football's here. Let's. Uh, I'm, I'm happy. Let's do it.